Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. In the message today, you're going to find that there are two, ty- two, two types of wisdom. Two types. A lot of people want to say there's three, but there's only two. There's only two. And what I just said to you ties in with this perfectly. Because it comes down to obedience. It always has. And in your Bibles, we have a chapter in James where he is talking about these wisdoms. And so turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 3. And as we continue in our series, Life Lessons from James, understand what it is. It's a life lesson. It's a lesson that's not for some times, but for life. And James is talking to us about things that are for a lifetime. They're always there. It's not for a season or a short time or when you feel like it. It's always there. That's why it's a life lesson. And this is a life lesson from James. He is saying that there are two kinds of wisdom. One of them is right and good, and the other one is not. And as a Christian, as a believer, as a, as, as a godly person, as, a, as one who believes in the Word of God, we as Christians can only choose the right one. Amen? Can only choose the right one. Now, I know that the false one, the bad one, is going to be out there available to you, and it desires to have you too. It desires to have you choose it. But should you? No. And this is what James is trying to teach us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 3. Scroll down to verse 13 and listen to this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Notice the caption above it in the NIV. Two kinds of wisdom. Now, if you have a direct translation, it's going to say wisdom from above, probably, okay? In NLT, New Living is is really cool because it says true wisdom comes from God. We ought to know that already. You would think that anybody reading this would know that already, amen? But if we know it, then why don't we follow it or why don't we seek it? And so others are going to say, but I think I am. But what happens if you're following the wrong kind of wisdom and don't know it? Is that, is that a danger? Yes. Is it, is it a factor? Of course it is. And so this is why James mentions it. And so he says, who is wise and understanding among you? And everybody wants to say, I am. Everybody wants to say, I am. Don't you? You want to believe that you're amongst the wise. Who in here... I mean, Jonathan used a, 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 a great thing. He said, put your hands up. And this is good. I want to know who among you today wants to be counted among the wise. Some of you, you're scaring me, okay? 
Again, who among you was to be counted among the wise? Okay, put your hands down. Who among you today wants to be counted among the foolish? Nobody. And if you raise your hand, I'm reasonably certain that you were being cute. Because nobody really wants that. Okay? So keep that in mind. This is what he says about the one that wants to be part of the understanding, part of the wise. Who is wise among you? Let that person, let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that only comes from wisdom. This is huge here. This is very Pauline in the way it is stated, but it's James, okay? But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, he's not saying you might have this jealousy and this envy or uh, this selfish ambition that takes hold of you. Because he knows that the enemy is out there and he's prevalent and he knows that it's probably going to take root in all of us in some manner and in some way for a certain period of time. So he says, so recognize it, but don't boast about it. Right? In other words, what you should do is realize and recognize that something's wrong in you and ask God to help you with it. Amen? That's what you should do. Don't boast about it. And boasting about it isn't just go around saying you're boasting about it. It's actually doing it. You understand? He says, so don't. Because here's the thing. When you do it, you're denying the truth. And nobody wants to admit that they're denying the truth, even if they are. Agreed? And then he says, such wisdom, and he puts it in quotes, and I love that. It's in quotes, and it really is uh, that way in the direct translation. Now, the direct translations don't put the quotes around it because they word it differently, and that's okay. But he, he, he's trying to make light of the fact that certain wisdom isn't wisdom at all. It's the wisdom of fools. And that's what he's talking about. This wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but it is earthly and therefore unspiritual. And, and if it's unspiritual, where does it come from? The devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Not some, every. Okay? So anything that is not spiritual, and you know when it is and when it isn't, it doesn't come from God. It is from the devil. It is unspiritual. Yeah? It doesn't matter what you think or feel. What matters is what God says it is. Yeah? And anything that is unspiritual, it, that's earthly, that's of a human opinion or understanding or feeling, is not godly. It is not godly. Unless... As a human, you are filled with the Spirit, and it's coming from there. Does that make sense? It should, because it's so simple a caveman could get it. Okay? So then he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It is then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace... Raise a harvest of righteousness. Friends, I could literally have a series on this alone. But I'm not going to because I think I'll wear you out. And yet here it is. 
And as I began to think about that, I said, okay, James, uh, Mr. Know-it-all, because you got to do that sometimes, what exactly is wisdom? I mean, what is it? Is it what I think it is or what I know it is? The problem is what I know sometimes is really just what I think. You, you, you get that, okay? And there are a lot of things in life that we just know, don't we? And then we find out that it was what we thought because it isn't real. It isn't true. It isn't right. So that reverts it right back to what we thought, not what we knew. And people say, well, they're one and the same. It, it, well, in the present they might be. Okay, so I don't want to just know something unless it's, it's real and true. Webster says that the quality of having experienced knowledge and good judgment, the quality of being wise, the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experienced knowledge and good judgment is exactly what wisdom is. And I began to read that and I thought, but I know an awful lot of people that don't display any of that stuff, but they think they're wise. I mean, this is, this is Merriam-Webster. This is, this is Webster's unabridged dictionary. This is what everybody went to school on, and it's what we still ought to be going to school on. I think we probably do. Webster says, the quality of having experience. I know an awful lot of people who think they're wise. They have no experience, but they think they are. They have these opinions, politically and otherwise, and I think, what are you talking about? You haven't lived long enough to know anything about that. Okay? Knowledge, good judgment. Well, you can't have good judgment if you have no experience. And you, and, and you can't have knowledge if you don't have experience. Because your knowledge will change as you get experience. Huh? Okay? So, and then, and then he goes on to say, the quality of being wise. Well, <laughs> you don't have much quality because you're not wise. Because you, you think you have an opinion about things. And when people say, well, we need to change the system, we, well, they don't know anything about why the system's there in the first place most of the time. And what it boils down to is you want what you want. And you want it how you want it. And we have bred a society of people today that that's exactly what the problem is. And that's why they want to change everything that the people with experience put into place. Now, I'm not hammering on younger generations. Don't hear me say that. I'm simply telling you, I know where it comes from. It's unspiritual, it's ungodly, and it comes from the devil. And you know what he wants to do? Destroy a society that's based on the Word of God and a government that was set up based on the principles of Christianity. That's where it comes from. And that's who's behind it. And that's why we have a problem, because too many people are listening to it. Amen? This is a fact. And then Webster goes on to say, the soundness of action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Again, how can you apply it if you don't know it? You're going to apply what you think you know, what you believe that you know. And again, I've asked people before, if you were wrong, would you want to know? And it stuns me how many people hesitate before the answer. Ooh, 
And so I said, James, what is wisdom? Because he's telling me I ought to have it. He's telling you that you should want it. But what is it? King Solomon was the wisest, most intelligent human to ever live, and so we ought to listen to him. Agreed? The wisdom of Solomon in the apocryphal books is probably one of the most tremendous manuscripts I have ever read in my life. I highly recommend you do so. But further than that, you don't even have to go there to get it. You can go into the Psalms and into the Proverbs and find exactly what Solomon was trying to say as he wrote even there. He says how bluntly, just bluntly to us, how important wisdom is. In Proverbs 4, 7, he says, the beginning of wisdom is this. See, when you, when you want something, when you do, you ought to start at the beginning. We all have to start at the beginning, like it or not. And he says, to understand what wisdom is, you have to start at the beginning. And so the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> and I, was, I had to do a double take. And I thought I, I thought I knew the scripture pretty well. I thought I, 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 thought I understood. And I, I, I don't remember him saying it that, like that. And so I went back and read it again. And I thought, maybe my Bible has a typo, so I'll look at a different version. He says, get wisdom. Anybody look down there in, 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 in verse 4, 7 and, and say, where he says, get wisdom? That's what it says. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Start with wisdom. I, I read it again and then again. And no matter where I read it, he says, get wisdom. And then he goes on and says this, though it will cost all that you have, gain understanding. In other words, know what you're talking about. Know what you believe and why. Don't just have an opinion. Don't listen to others. And the only place you can get it, friends, is right here, the Word of God. That's where it begins. That's what separates good and evil. That's where the beginning of wisdom is. And as soon as you get out of the wisdom of the Word of God, that is where folly begins. Anybody with me? Who agrees? This is what we're talking about. This is what Solomon is saying. So, in other words, in your, in your, in your bulletin, I believe, Marion, if you didn't, there's, there's others out there, but I put a, together a thing of Scripture that, that are two kinds of wisdom, okay? And these are the things that Solomon says, mainly Solomon, Paul too, but this is, this is wisdom, okay? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. I had to start there. Because you know what we're told to do today? Trust your own heart. Believe in your own heart. Do what you want to do. Get yours. We're teaching our kids that. And Solomon says, you do that and you're a fool. Wow. He just told us how to parent. We didn't even need Dr. Phil. Stunning. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they're futile. That's a, kind of a big one, don't you think? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yeah, look at the people you know that believe that they don't need God. Okay? Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. God knows their hearts, doesn't he? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. In other words, my feelings count. That's what counts. I want to express how I feel. Good for you. But Solomon says, uh, you have no delight in understanding the truth. You just want to express how you feel. Know anybody like that? Maybe it's been you. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because they, although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. And this is in chapter 1 of Romans, where Paul is saying, where homosexuality and sexual sins are folly. And people were given over by God to do whatever they wanted. And they have, but they're going to have no excuse in the end because they chose. That's what he says. Now, there are people in the church today who will say, oh, that's not true. Well, then, then I suggest you take a look at Scripture again because that's what it says. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who, needs, who heeds counsel is wise. So in other words, your eyes will deceive you. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else thinks it. <laughs> yep, they're all fools too. Isn't that what he's saying? Not my words, kids. His. Okay. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for us who are saved it is the power of God. And aren't you glad that Jesus went on the cross for you, and all he's asked you to do is die to yourself on your own cross and walk with it daily, because when you identify with it, you identify with him. Now, you tell me which you should choose. But everybody else says, oh, you don't got to do that. Now that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, then that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. You can't know what's of God and what isn't if the Spirit isn't in you. Because you will accept whatever the world offers, and I got news for you, the world offers Satan to you, even if they don't know it. Friends, you ought to put this somewhere and hang on to it. And as soon as you start thinking and feeling in your own right, I suggest you pull that out. And you know God's pretty good at reminding you you have it, isn't he? Because he's pretty good at reminding me I have the Word of God on my shelf sometimes, and it ought to be in my hand. Anybody? Solomon says it's more important to get wisdom, to be wise, and to have true wisdom than anything else. And we would say, oh, I don't know about, I don't, I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of things that are more important than that. Solomon says it isn't. And if Solomon said it, God told him, and there's a reason why it's there, okay? So what we have to do, rather than try to rebuke Solomon or try to second-guess Solomon or disagree with Solomon, what we ought to do is try to understand. Remember, to gain understanding is what you should do, right? Not just have an opinion. Gain understanding. Because, friends, how do we know whether or not we have true wisdom? I mean... Everybody wants it, but how do you know you have it or not? It's a fair question. Agreed? The Bible tells us, again, that there are two kinds of wisdom, true wisdom and the wisdom of fools. And I began to think about, well, what exactly is the wisdom of fools then? 
Because if I can't understand what true wisdom is yet, because maybe I haven't gotten there, I surely ought to be able to understand what the wisdom of fools are. Foolish people think they have wisdom too. They're just wrong. And their wisdom is fool's wisdom. And the Bible talks about it specifically. You see, one comes from God and one comes from Satan. Or it might just be made up by mankind. Some, some wisdom, which is foolish, is just made up by mankind. In which case, it's still from Satan. You, you, you understand that, right? So what exactly is the wisdom of fools? Well, Wikipedia, and I, I thought, gosh, are you really going to do this? I'm really going to do this. Wikipedia is right in this case. And Wikipedia says, the wisdom of the fool is a form of literary paradox in which through a narrative a character is recognized as a fool comes to be seen as a beholder of wisdom. A person who is a fool basically comes to be thought of as a person who is wise. Look, look, at, look in politics. <laughs> Fight it all day long. Okay? A recognizable trope found in stories and artworks from antiquity to the 21st century, the wisdom of the fool often captures what reason fails to illuminate of a thing's meaning or significance. Thus, the wise fool is often associated with the wisdom found through blind faith, reckless desire, hopeless romance, and wild abandon. This is Wikipedia now. And I'm thinking, oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Because you just basically described most of America. We don't have any reason for believing or feeling what we do, but we're going to do it anyway. We have no proof of it, but we're going to do it anyway. We can't back it up, but we're going to believe it anyhow. I remember when uh, the day was under my grasp that people believed that those are called pipe dreams. Listen. I'm not saying you shouldn't dream. Great things happen on dreams. But we ought to have a dose of reality, shouldn't we? And what's real? Is it what we think and feel? What we want to believe? Or is it what God says? Right? God never told you not to hope and dream. He told you to hope and dream with Him what you could be, what you could do. Through His authority and His power, with His wisdom, with His understanding, with His help, and praise God for His salvation. This is what we should be doing. But the fool is often opposed to learned or elite knowledge. So the question really ought to be, which one do you have? Which Wisdom do you have? Do you want to know? I think sitting here today you might. But tomorrow out with the, the fools, you might not. Because the devil's like that. He's good like, he's good like that. 
And so I began to think about it. I said, okay, so, so let's, let's break this down, knowing I don't have a tremendous amount of time with that much of a preamble. But I had to, I had to prepare you for what you have to learn here. Okay? So three ideas I want you to grasp. First of all, wisdom is known by actions and not words. And I think I've got a typo on your... I think I've got an or in there and it shouldn't be there. I, I type fast. Sometimes I don't read like I should. Okay? Wisdom is known by actions rather than words. And if this is true, then who is, the, who is wise? If that's true, who's the wise? Well, the Greek word used for wisdom is sophos. S-O-P-H-O-S, sophos. And among the Jews, sophos was a technical term for the teacher, the scribe, or the rabbi. Now, clearly, friends, as you look at the Scripture, the Jews felt that those who were wise had, number one, education, experience, and they had been tested in both of those things. And that's what we should be saying, too. They ought to have education and experience and be tested in both of those things. For the Jew, somebody's thoughts, somebody's feelings, or somebody's opinions really didn't mean anything. They really didn't mean anything. What you could prove based on what you had done or where you had come from was way more important. And to a point, I think we use those things too. But of course, everybody wanted to be considered wise, didn't they? Just like they did today. And you just proved it by raising your hands. Everybody in here wants to be thought of as amongst the wise. But for the Jews, because they wanted to be considered wise, they thought to do that, they had to be counted also among the teachers. So they all wanted to be teachers. And I thought, well, what qualified them? What made them qualified to be a teacher? And the answer, nothing. Nothing did. They didn't have the education, they didn't have the experience, but they wanted people to think that they were wise anyway, just like we do sometimes. And since there wasn't much left to be a teacher on, to be the basis of their teaching, they guessed. They let their feelings and their own thoughts be their guide. Now, of course, that's not happening now, is it? They formed opinions based on their feelings, idealism, pipe dreams, and what they wanted to believe. And that was all based upon what they preferred in life rather than fact. Friends, are you seeing this today? Having it right now. You can certainly see why James tells them that there's a big difference between true wisdom which comes from God, the study of Scripture, and taking the Word of God at face value, and then the wisdom of mankind, which is based on personal thoughts, ideals, and feelings. But here's the thing. When you talk to somebody today about wisdom or things that are true or not, the first thing they'll do, well, I feel this, or I think this. That was your first problem. And it is mine, too, sometimes. And it's yours, too, sometimes. Because you're, again, people get upset with me when I say that your thoughts and feelings do not matter. They do not count. But it's, it's true. Because your thoughts and feelings ought to be God's thoughts and feelings. That's, there. now you're going to be okay. But when they're not, you got a problem. Because the devil's sitting there ready to fill you with whatever you want to hear. So you can feel and think any way you want to. And I'm not trying to be mean about it. It's just, that's just what he does. 
He's good at it. Because when he does that, it's not godly wisdom. It doesn't matter what kind of wisdom it is. It isn't God's. You see. So the question is, what's happening today? Is it happening amongst Christians today? Okay, so another question. What qualifications do we require for a teacher today? What qualifies you or me or anybody else to be a teacher? Hmm? More importantly, how about a spiritual or religious teacher or leader? What qualifies them? Therein is a major epidemic in the church today. And I'm not, listen, do not have anybody in mind. Don't have any churches in mind. I'm simply telling you that today, some churches, somebody says, well, I feel like I'm called to preach. Okay, you're ordained. Have at it. Or somebody says, I don't like what's going on in my church, and I don't like the way we do it, and I don't like what they're teaching, so I'm just going to start a new one. I mean, people go to it. Listen, friends. When I started going through class to get my education, I didn't like it very much, and so I didn't think I needed it either. But I soon found that I did, and I'm delighted that I got it, because I would be standing up here a fool if I didn't. You may not agree with what I say. You may not even like it. But here's what I always try to do. Go back to the scripture. What does it say? Because you can't go wrong when you do that. And when I make an opinion about something, this isn't about me. This, every preacher in a pulpit in the world today ought to do this. If you're going to make a statement, you better go back and say, because so-and-so in the Word of God says this. And there it is. I would rather have a reference to the Word of God than just an opinion and nothing. Because what sounds and seems right isn't. But the devil will make it seem like it is. And he's done it in my own life. Has anybody identified with that? Anybody done that? That's the point. Deuteronomy 113 Choose some wise and understanding and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. Did you hear that? This is important because not only do people want to be teachers, they also want to be leaders. Or at least be in charge or do things their own way. It's true, friends. No matter what organization we're in, whenever things are done, everybody always has an opinion on how to do it differently. I know that because I've been a leader a long time in different things. And no matter what I've done or how I've done it, somebody always complains to somebody else that they'd have done it differently. It's, a, it's, it, it's an absolute, I know it before I even begin anything. That somebody, they won't come and tell me, they'll go tell somebody else. And then that person will tell somebody else, and they'll all talk about it, and they'll, be, they'll come to consensus, yeah, maybe we should have done it like that. And then people will say, well, you know, well, they're going to keep doing it that way, so we ought to just go somewhere else then. I mean, it's happened. I, I, I can, friends, as a pastor, I, you can count, I can time it with an egg timer. It's like this. Instead of coming to the source and asking why we did it that way, there's the thought. 
And you know what? Here's the thing. If you come to me and say, well, why don't we do it this way? Or why did we do it your way? Or why do we? I would say, I would explain to you why we did it that way. And two things are going to happen. Either you're going to say, oh, I didn't know that. That makes sense. Or you're going to say, well, have you considered this? And I probably hadn't, which is why I didn't do it that way. <laughs> so now we're two consensus people and we might come up with a better idea. There's a thought. But otherwise, we'd rather, well, I don't like the way they're doing it. This, this is not godly. This is human, and it comes from Satan, period. In, in, any, in any leadership position you're ever in, it's going to happen. And yet, the Bible is trying to tell us something. It says, God sets the proper people over us, and they must always be wise. <laughs> right? They should be wise. And we ought to follow them when they are. But see, we're not choosing people today for teaching or leadership that are biblically based. We choose them for popularity. We choose them for likability. Based on human wisdom or understanding or thinking. In other words, they have the wisdom of fools. And we're following them. So we better choose better. We better choose better. <laughs> Don't you think? I think you can remember that. You all might write that down. We, we better choose better. I don't like the way I put that, but it's right. <laughs> Particularly, I would say, in election time. I know how this company was, or this country was based. I know on what. And the we, yes, you, you can perform, you, you have the, the practice of any religion you want, you have the freedom to do that, but it was based on Christianity, period. That's where the founding fathers came from, and every one of them said so. And when th people throw separation of church and state at me, yep, you got it backwards too. It was so that the government wouldn't control the church, period. That's what it's there for. But, of course, they see it the other way, you know. And who does that, you suppose? Whose wisdom is that? If this is a Christian-based nation and the Word of God is what we base that on and our government was set up based on the equality that's in there, then what are we talking about here? Because that's the only religion that I can find that has that equality. And if you don't believe me, well, make an appointment and I'll show it to you. Friends, we need to align ourselves with biblical teachers who are first called by God, completely bound by biblical truth, and educated and experienced in that biblical truth. Otherwise, we too are going to be aligned with the wisdom of fools. And you just said to me this morning that you didn't want to be. Amen? So how does one demonstrate knowledge and wisdom? How do we know? When we've got a wise teacher and leader, how do we know if we are or not? Well, because those people who are, they not only talk wise, they act wise. That's what James is talking about. They'll, they'll, they, there will have to be a clear portrayal of biblical truth in their speech, and their lives ought to reflect it, don't you think? They are submitted to God, and they're submitted to His Word. How's that? How, how about we start there? So when someone from a biblical perspective who says they're a Christian says, I believe this or I think this, 
I'm going to say to them, and where in the Scripture do you find the basis to back that up? That's a fair question. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's somewhere in there. No, I didn't ask you that. I want to know where, and I don't want to know what. Because the Bible, you, you can take bits and pieces of the Bible and twist it to be anything you want it to be. But the whole picture of the Scripture, they all go together when they're using the context that they were, they were determined to be, the way they were intended to be. Huh? There's a thought. And when people who are teachers and leaders who are submitted to God and His Word, they're humble. Now, let me tell you how. It doesn't mean that they're weak. Okay? Because we think humility is a crybaby. No. Jesus was anything but. Compassionate? Crybaby? No. What it means is that they're not necessarily always emotional, neither. But we put emotionality with humility. N no. I, I can remember at least once, and Jesus was pretty, pretty angry, <laughs> pretty upset. And I'd like to know exactly what he said, not what was paraphrased. And there's more times than that, too, by the way. And it, it's, not, it's not just the Christ. There, there's, there's examples of that throughout Scripture. You see, these people are completely surrendered to God and His kingdom. And as such, they have nothing to gain by believing or teaching falsely. Because usually when somebody's teaching falsely, they've got something to gain from it. Again, do I need to talk about politics? Now, I'm not saying all politicians are bad, because they're not. But unfortunately, today, we think they are, because it's become that. Do you know that these people refuse to accept the popular belief, even if it would benefit them personally? Did you hear that? People who are submitted to God, who are good teachers and leaders within the biblical context of what that means, they refuse to accept the popular belief, even if it would benefit them. They recognize foolish talk and wrong idealistic ideas based on rhetoric and feelings. They dismiss them. And when they speak, it doesn't come from their own opinions, but rather their opinions are based on the Word of God, and they can prove it through the Word of God. There you go. They know who Jesus is, and they know what Jesus did. All of it. They don't pick and choose the feel-good things that Jesus did. They take all of it. Yes? Hello? All of it. They don't just take certain aspects of the life that Jesus portrayed and make those things their mantra. But I know an awful lot of Christians that do exactly that. Exactly that. And they realize that one day there is going to be a judgment and it breaks their heart, just as it broke the Christ's heart. And so they try to help others understand what really will get them saved, not what they want it to be. And then they teach them how to live accordingly to keep it. Amen? From a true and biblical perspective, not their own thoughts 
feelings, and dreams. So friends, let's look at the two kinds of wisdom. Let's look at earthly wisdom real quick. What's the evidence of earthly wisdom? Well, James says it's bitter envy and self-ambition. Interestingly, this is fairly easy to spot. I mean, any, anyone who is jealous of others or upset that somebody has authority and they don't? Well, that's, that's a problem. Do you know that people want things their way so badly that they can almost never be on a team unless they're running it? Huh. Good leaders, good biblical leaders, solid leaders will also submit themselves to other leaders who are appointed over them. A poor leader will not. And again, some people won't play ball unless they're coaching and teaching and playing where they want to play. And then they're able to put others to play where they want them to. And if somebody says, we're not going to do it that way, they will take their ball and go home. And then they'll take their ball to another team and try to run it. And they'll justify it that they had reason after all. And what it really boils down to is self-centeredness. I'm telling you, over and over and over again, I've seen it. And I'm going to be honest, there's been a time or two that I did that. Okay? And that did not make me a good leader. Because a good leader will submit to other leaders appointed over them. You may not like it, you might not agree with them then they should try to change the leader, change their minds, bring, bring basis to them, show them things. But in the end, they're still the leader. Some of these people are never satisfied with what others do. They insist that their way is always better. They will refuse to submit to the teaching or leadership of those appointed over them. These same people will choose pastors and churches based on a belief system that goes along with them or suits them. And if they have the freedom to come and go as they like and believe what they want to with no accountability, then they're happy. That's what they want. James knew exactly, exactly, my friends, what people he was talking about. He, had, he dealt with them all the time because he was the executive pastor of the church. He, he's the one that dealt with these people. Peter didn't. Peter was out talking to all these other, he was out other churches. You know, trying to help me. James dealt with these people. He's the one that ran it. He knew exactly who he was dealing with. He knew who had a heart change and who didn't based on what they did or didn't do, how they acted and how they didn't. He says you should recognize them because he did. Friends, it's not that hard to do. And sometimes the hardest part is recognizing yourself when you're the one doing it. Isn't it? Come on. Isn't it hard to recognize that you're the problem? You want more evidence? For earthly wisdom, these people deny the truth. And this is probably the big one. Unfortunately, the church today, and I put it in quotes, is filled with these people. We have a lot of people who deny the truth. They are the ones who believe what they want to believe. Yes, most times it's because they want to do what they want to do. You've heard me say that a gazillion times. 
But other times, sometimes it's influenced by other things, such as they have friends or family members involved in sinful activity, and they just, they just, they just can't, they want to gloss it over because they don't know what else to do, and they want to believe that everything's going to be okay because of this or that. Yeah? And they don't want them to face judgment, so they gloss it over like it's not going to happen or something. Friends, just because you don't want something to be true doesn't make it not true. Jesus said judgment was going to come. The revelation is filled with the thought that it's coming, yes or no. And He's the one that revealed it. Isn't Jesus the one that revealed the revelation? Did He say there's going to be judgment? So what are we talking about here then? It doesn't matter that you don't like it. It doesn't matter that you don't want to believe it. It doesn't matter that you disagree with it. It is, again, what it is. They don't want to believe that a good person might not go to heaven. Well, how do you determine good? Jesus himself said, don't call me good, only the Father is good. He said that because he was in the flesh and he knew it. He knew that in his flesh he could stumble and fall. Praise God he didn't, but he could have. And he knew it. Only God is good. And he said, that's why I don't look to myself. I look to him every time. Every time. Only the Father is good. These people use every excuse, including human excuses. And they're oftentimes back it up with wrong biblical opinions. Things like, well, you, you can't judge. Don't judge. Bob doesn't exactly say that. Love is everything. Well, no, it isn't. But when it is, right is alongside of it every time. Okay? Grace covers all. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't matter that you want to believe that. It doesn't. But it covers the things that God wants it to cover because He wants you to change, not keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Again, this is a license to do what they want and believe like they want. But it isn't truthful, so they're actually denying the truth. And my friends, that's earthly wisdom, not godly wisdom, isn't it? He says it's earthly. Well, what, is exa what exactly does earthly mean? Where did it come from? What's its origin? Obviously, it comes from earth, human opinion, feelings, and beliefs. Is this a problem? Well, obviously, because can man's wisdom be trusted? Sometimes, but man has been wrong a lot, <laughs> you know? I don't have time to go into all these things, but let's just talk about science and what we thought we always knew. Let's look at medicine and what we always knew, okay? Let's look at technology, psychology, philosophy. If you go back in history and you look at the practices of things that we did, you would be put in jail for doing those things to people today. But that's what they do. That's what they thought they understood, and so they did it. They treated people in ways that would kill them today. We treated the, the uh, mental illness in a way that was terrible. But now we don't want to deal with it at all. Right? But we knew it, didn't we? And now we find out we were wrong of what we do. And I wonder what tomorrow what we're going to find out what we know today is wrong. I mean, isn't, isn't that how society goes? But here's the day, friends. Earthly wisdom appeals to people because it feels good. It's sensual. 
It's easier. It's almost always inclusive, and it requires less of them. It always has. They can fill their appetites with it, and they can never get enough. But the nature of it is unspiritual. That's what James said. It's unspiritual. And that means its origin is not earth, but it's under the earth. It's satanic. But, of course, they're never going to believe that. But, again, this is the truth. Paul says, says it is in Philippians 3.18. I don't have time to read it. Uh, Jesus says it in John 8.44. He said the same thing. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies, and you're believing it. That's what Jesus told him, and that's what he's telling you and me, okay? What are the results of that? Friends, here's the deal. <laughs> These people reason. Uh, it, I mean, they think that, yeah, those people are out there, but it doesn't pertain to me. It must be unbelievers. That's, that's the ones that, that are buying into this. Yeah, but Jesus was talking to those who thought they were godly. So we'll, <laughs> we better put things in perspective pretty quick. You see, this results in confusion, instability. It promotes evil work. Living a lie is, well, living a lie. It's always evil, it's always worthless, and it's always wrong. And they're going to be judged accordingly. For not only did they live a lie, they helped others to live one too. Now, very quickly, wisdom from heaven, or wisdom from above. Good life and deeds and humility. Friends, when we're full of the Spirit, wisdom comes with it. Because we spend time in the Word. We devote ourselves to the teaching of those who are appointed to teach it. And we submit to their spiritual leadership. And this promotes a life approved by God. And that makes it good. And the results are our actions due to obedience to God and His Word. That's what happens. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If we would do that, oh my goodness. We would devote ourselves to the teaching of those appointed over us for teaching uh, godly things. If, if we would uh, fellowship together then we do more than we do with the world and friends outside of here. If we would spend time in prayer and breaking bread together, friends, the church would absolutely grow astronomically. It's a fact. And the church wants to know why it's not growing. Because we want to do things that everybody out there wants. We're trying to feed them what they want, not what God says you should do. There's the problem. And if you're going to change your music, your worship team, your programs, and you're going to do it just to draw people to, from the outside in, then what do you have when they get here? Does that make sense to you? Because this is what he's talking about. What's the nature? The nature of a person who's got wisdom from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, fair, submissive, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Matthew 5, 1 John 3, Galatians 1, Matthew 5, Philippians 4, Galatians 5, James 2. Why? They're all right there. How is it possible? Because their lives are submitted to God. They are not their own person any longer. Their opinions and their feelings no longer count, and they know it. They know it. Only the truth counts, and God is the judge, and they know that too. They know it, they accept it, and they live it implicitly. Implicitly. It isn't, as I think about that, I'm thinking of people, but I, you know what I just did? I just described Jesus. 
He lived it implicitly, didn't he? What are the results? Well, they're peacemakers. And peacemakers sow peace. Because the fruit of righteousness is sown. Ephesians 2, Romans 12. For, listen to this, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If it is possible, now here, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, we're told in the church you should give, be at peace with everybody no matter what, even if that means compromise. No, that's not what Paul said. Paul said, if it is possible, live in peace with them. But if they're going to hold you to a standard that you can't be held to, then you cannot be at peace with them. If, if they want you to compromise the Word of God or accept their teaching or believe their belief system or live a lifestyle that they think is okay and they're not going to listen to your opinion and, and, and want to drive theirs down your throat, then you're not going to be at peace with them. Then being a peacemaker means saying, I'm sorry, I cannot believe in that, I won't believe in that, and if you can't be friends with me outside of it, then we're not going to be friends. But a peacekeeper will say, okay, what is live and let live then? Because live and let live means I really don't care if you go to hell tomorrow for your wrong belief system. That's what it said. A peacekeeper and a peacemaker are two different things. A peacemaker will get in their business and not let them get in yours when you're here. But the peacekeeper will say, live and let live. And if Christ comes tomorrow, I tried. Isn't that what we're saying? You see, friends, righteousness is grown and harvested by those that make peace. And you can't make peace by living a lie, nor can you make peace by accepting the lie. And that's exactly what we're doing today. A peacemaker lives and teaches the truth. A weak Christian with earthly wisdom tries to keep the peace by accepting others' beliefs, their actions, and their teachings. That's what a weak Christian does. And there's an awful lot of weak Christians in the church today. Okay? God does not, and neither can we. Peacemaking doesn't mean acceptance of others or their opinions. It means challenging them and bringing the truth of Christ into the equation. True peace only comes, get this, when a person is saved. That's when you get true peace, not before. Okay? And salvation only comes through Jesus Christ and His truth. You can't get saved believing a lie. So if you think you're saved believing a lie, then you're not. Then you're not. And Jesus himself says it. Romans 5, 9. No. Romans 5, 1. Matthew 5, 9. Romans 1, 16, 17. Ephesians 4. Philippians 4. As our worship team comes, listen to this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received as a prisoner for the Lord. Yeah? 
Okay? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. But when you can't, you can't. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And what he means by that is this. Try to make peace with everybody by teaching them the truth. By living the truth, breathing the truth, talking the truth, always the truth, never compromising what you know is wrong. Ever. And if somebody wants you to believe in their opinion but won't listen to yours, then don't be friends with them. Okay? Because the fact of the matter is, when you've made every effort to teach them the truth and they will not listen, then it's not on you anymore. Okay? And you shouldn't go to bed at night fretting over it because the peace of God that transcends all understanding should guard your heart and mind because you know that you did all that you possibly could. And if you can't do anymore, then you can't do anymore. But if you agree with them or accept that garbage, now when you go to bed at night, you're not going to have much peace because God ain't going to let you. If you belong to Him, there will be no peace in your heart because somebody's out there living a lie and you let them. And that's what He's talking about. Stand with me today. Wisdom, my friends, is proven by its fruit. Wisdom is either from earth or from above. And we know the ruler of this age in earth is. And my question to us is, which do we exhibit? And since you know today which one it is, you should either be here to praise Him for the wisdom you have in Him, or you should be here begging Him to help you to get rid of the wisdom that you gained from here. Because that's not going to work. But everybody in here needs to be doing that one or the other. That's up to you.